Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Welcome back to another episode of the Forest Educator Podcast. This is a forest spotlight, and we're going to be talking today about hiring and getting hired for seasonal forest educator type jobs. So I think it's pretty much the season, right? I mean, I'm recording this in the beginning of February. This is almost like the height of the season for applying for job positions for like late spring or summer, or even getting ready for fall seasonal contracts. And this is also a time when camp directors and program directors are looking actively to fill out their staffing needs for their program. So it's timely. This is the time I would normally be hiring a lot of people for the camp and I'd be stressed out because I'd have to hire a cook. I'd have to hire a cook's assistant. I would be hiring a camp nurse or camp EMT for being our health director in that position for our summer camp. I'd also be looking for like people who have wilderness skills that could be like instructors in our program. And also I need people who are counselors, people who maybe they're not like an expert in flint napping or buckskin or fire making, but they're people that like to play volleyball and they like to lead kids on hikes and they like to do coal burning and they like to do a lot of the things that are more on the social side of things. And also they want to learn those other skills. So it's like a great position. And then I'm looking at who might be my program director for my summer camps, where that person would be like the mini me when I'm not there. And that it's always tricky to look at these different positions because you need to really think carefully about the qualities of who are you looking for ideally. And then you get a bunch of different applicants and you think, okay, would this person maybe fit or that person? And it's really, it's part of a partly science doing your homework. And it's partly also peering into the magic eight ball or the crystal ball or throwing the bones or reading, reading the tea leaves or whatever it is. You're half guessing too, because it is many times you feel like you're having to make a decision based on very little information. So being the on the camp director side and being the executive director for Hawk Circle and running around trying to keep this all moving because those programs, I can't run them by myself, unfortunately. It's tough. It's like a pretty stressful thing to have to put that team together. And it's much easier if you have a lot of returning staff. I can't tell anyone how much nicer it is to have someone come back the second year or third year or fourth year, knowing that they already know the trails at Hawk Circle. They already know where the spring is. They know where all the tools are kept. They know where craft supplies are. They know where the first aid supplies are. And they know where the extra sleeping bags are for when children are cold at night, or they just know the routine. And those returning staff can also help kind of orient orient the new staff and help them get into the groove and know what kind of community we're trying to build at Hawk Circle and just 
they can they really help a lot. I know that I always appreciated that. So I thought we'd just dive in and talk about this maybe from both. We'll start with the people that are hiring. If you're hiring staff for this upcoming year, the one of the best suggestions I would have, and I'm just going to say before I start this, number one, this is a really hard job. And all the things I'm saying in here, you can take or leave. I'm not, don't get stressed out. Okay. When you're listening to this, if you think, oh no, I don't do that. Oh no, I don't do that. Don't let your blood pressure go high or anything like that. Like just breathe, relax. These are just ideas. I'm, this is not even a comprehensive training in this. I'm just, I'm really just going off some really basic notes and my own experience. And there are probably going to be things on this podcast episode that you might think, oh, we do this. And please send it out to me. I'll add it to my next version of this program because ultimately the more best practices we have and the more variety of the ways we go about looking for staff and hiring and and doing our job that might make it easier, the better it'll be for everyone. So the whole secret to hiring and getting hired is to find the right fit. You need the right candidates to fit the right positions and you need it to be the whole, a lot of things have to line up, right? It's not just, oh yeah, you have a pulse, you have, a, you can show up, you can like, you can, you, you don't need a body. You need someone who's an active member of a team of people who are going to help create a transformational experience for the students that come into your, your organization. And the same is true for you. If you're trying to get hired, you're looking and thinking, okay, hey, I've got certain needs and certain qualities. Where will I really thrive? Where will I be the most helpful? And where I'll also be happy doing this kind of work because I really that really feeds me. So it's a double matching system and it's not always perfect, but especially for seasonal jobs because people are coming and then they leave after that season because it's temporary. And you do get a chance to try people out and see where it all goes. So let's uh, dive in from the hire, hiring person, like a, a camp director, program director, executive director. So typically what happens at Hawk Circle and what I see out in the field is people will say, hey, I need to hire someone. And it usually starts with that person crafting uh, a, a job description. So you need to look at what is the job, what are the main qualifications to do that job, and what and a little bit about what is it like to do that job? Is it a fast paced, things are coming at you, you're working with like adjudicated youth, you have to know a lot about policy and the way they approach certain situations and you have to have training and restraints or whatever it is. Like that could be really high stressful or like a river rafting guide or something where you're like, okay, if we don't follow these things, people will die or they could die. And then on the other hand, you might be like, all right, maybe you're more like Ferdinand. And you're like, can you sit in the field with flowers and hang out with some kids and <laughs> recite poetry? And you go, okay, those are all like, you want to give people a realistic feel for what it's like to be in your program in a fairly short and concise manner. In today's world right now, I'm not really hiring right now because we don't have a lot of programs for children. But if I was hiring right now, I think I'd probably put a lot of it on a video. Or I would do, like I'm doing right now, a podcast episode. I would do an audio file and I would just say, here, click here, and you can hear me talk for 20 minutes about the pro the program or what we do. That would probably help a lot. Hey, cool idea. 
throw it in there if you want. The reason that you're, it's better to put more time into doing and crafting these elements of description, qualifications, what do these people need to be qualified for this position, what kind of experience is really helpful, it, that past candidates who've done excellent that they have had that was really helpful. Like you want to really make sure that the more, the more careful you are at describing this, the better your chances of getting that perfect fit. You want, you got to imagine that person is reading it and going, oh, that's a match. That's a match. Oh yeah. Oh, it helps to have gardening experience. Oh yeah. Hey, I worked with my grandma and then I worked at the college greenhouse and oh yeah, I've got a lot of this. This is good. I'm a match for this. I'm going to apply for this and see what I they take me. It's a really nice way to go. You don't want to give so much detail that the person goes, "Oh, there's no way I could ever possibly fill this." These people are these people want someone to be a master's or PhD level thing in order to take kids and go for a hike to the creek and back. That would be intimidating and then they go then when they look at what the compensation is and they just go, "You're insane." So, <laughs> please Balance these things out in your mind a little bit and just imagine the person's reading that and then just go, hey, here's what it is. Because all of these things have to match up. So the more you can really dial in on that, the better you're going to be. Now, I know I've talked to a lot of camp people and program people, and sometimes they're just like, oh, I'm so busy. I've got so much stuff going on. Oh, I don't know. Like oftentimes you're like, it's one in the morning and you're trying to like bang out these descriptions and just get it out there so you can start getting candidates. Please don't be rushed when you do this. Please give yourself time to really get it right if you can. And just take your time, do the best you can. I like to put it in something that is like in a, it used to be like pages or there was a lot of different graphic design programs over the years, but it's helpful to have the, all the information, like maybe on one page that you could then send as a PDF that they could then download and then just look at and stare at that if they want to, as they read through, because a lot of times people don't want to be like on your website, just sitting there. So having a little audio file be good. And then having just this, this is the description description. What are the duties? What are expect expected for sure that they're going to be having to do? And what are the qualifications that you'd like your candidates to have or, or experiences that are helpful. And then, of course, getting references. You probably, some places will do three people, three, three references that are like non-job related and then three job related references. But for me as a camp director, like sometimes I get people who are like 19 and they have only had one job and then the, they might have their basketball coach send out something they might have an English teacher send out. So I was pretty flexible with that. And I would usually just say, hey, if you're for those positions, I would say, please send us the references of three people who know you well, who can vouch for your character and help us get to know a little bit about you. And yeah, that that seemed to help. Obviously, for more extensive position, like for the program director, I really want to know, like that person should have several years of leading programs and, or getting close to leading programs. And I would want to really know what are the most recent uh, people who have been working with you to be able to get that info. So you can be a little bit more demanding for those positions. Most of the time, the people who are good candidates will be happy to give you that and get that all set up and good. It's really important if you're the hirer 
if you're a program director, to make sure that they don't just write Jim Johnson and then leave like a phone number that's like kind of squirrely. Put down there, give us the email, give us their social media link, like their Instagram handle. Give, put down a few things so that you can get to hold the people. People are weird and it sometimes can be hard to reach someone. Like sometimes I'll go and I'll message someone on LinkedIn and then they get back to me two months later and they go, hey, I don't really check LinkedIn that much. Sorry. And then the positions, it's over you've already moved on to another candidate. So make sure that you are very clear. Please give us as much info as you can. I don't personally have time to go on and try to find that person, look them up on Facebook, look them up on LinkedIn, look up, try to track them down on Instagram. And then I have ADHD too. So like part of me could go down that rabbit hole and just be like, oh, look, they have an overdue book in Vermont from 1972. I don't want to do that kind of research. But make sure that you don't just have a phone number or an email is probably going to be your best bet initially. So make sure it's a current good email to get be able to get a hold of that person. Then when you're hiring, what kind of questions do you want to know in that interview? It's really important as a, like for me, when I would talk about Hawk Circle, I can talk for a long time about my program, about what I love about it, what we try to do and like our ideals and all this stuff. So I could easily eat up an hour just blabbing about what we do. And the problem with doing that is that, yes, they will come away with having a good understanding of what we're doing, but it doesn't really tell me that much about them. What I would say, and especially now, if you could write or if you could write down and then put in an audio file or a video, hey, here's some information about our program that every candidate will see and understand and know. Maybe it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes of you just talking about some of the key points about being on their on your summer staff or on your spring program staff or whatever it is. If you can really do that ahead of time, then you won't maybe feel as inclined to fill the space with all that, all those details. So I really urge you to do that and then have very clear questions that you want to ask those candidates. Think about it. Think about that, that position. If you know that you're going to be interviewing someone who will be with students in your program for maybe overnight or all day, or maybe they'll just be with two other people and they're going to be dealing with that. What things do you want to know? Do you want to know whether they can really get along with students? Can they say no? Do they have good boundaries? Do they know how to handle talking to parents? Like where are the lines and where are the areas where those students maybe would be, or that staff person would be really needing to have very strong skills where if they don't have that, it could create a problem for you. So yeah, you're the director. You don't want to hire someone who will then create more problems for you. So you want to make sure you know where those hot spots are right off the bat. Like in other words, if the part of the job is you have to lift to lift 200 pounds over your head, just making this up, right? As an example, you wouldn't want to then waste a lot of time talking to 10 candidates who can only lift 50 pounds over their head, right? You just don't even want to really consider people for those positions. It's also really good to know when the job starts, when it ends, and be really firm about that, knowing that they're going to get there, they're going to get a training and orientation, 
and then they're going to be expected to per- perform and then go all the way through. As a camp director, I can't tell how many times I would hire somebody who's really good. I'm like, get all down to it. And then at the last minute or two weeks later, after I've already made a decision and told everybody else, yeah, I've already decided, that person will then say, oh, yeah, I have to leave two weeks early because I'm going to Costa Rica with my family or something. And you're just like, are you kidding me? So that is, unfortunately, that's par for the course for people who are younger, because sometimes the parents will turn around and say, hey, we booked a family reunion in Switzerland. You're coming. It's no, there's no question. You have to come. And if someone, that person is 19 and they're still living under their parents' roof for the most part, and they're going to college, like they will oftentimes not be able to weasel out of that. So then you're stuck because you have this really good candidate, but what do you do for those last two weeks? So you really want to make sure you ask that in your thing. Can you work the entire summer? Can you work the entire spring? Are there any dates that are coming up that you absolutely have to have off if, if that's a thing? That might not even be an option for you if they're, say, you're taking a group of students and you're going to Alaska, you know, they, they're probably not going to be able to go, hey, I need Tuesday off to go to the dentist. Like they're going to be in Alaska. They're not going anywhere. This is really important to make sure you get those things nailed down because those are the surprises that come later. And then you're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is a big deal. One other thing I'm going to mention too is that you do a social media search, just a cursory search for any of your candidates just to make sure that there is a fairly good match philosophically and that you're getting someone that you think you're getting. Now, some people have a social media account in which they're like, hey, I'm actually Hawkeye from the Avengers or something. And if they are just fun and doing their thing, that's fine. But if they also have, I don't know, an OnlyFans site or they have a bunch of things that they're like, oh, I need to be on TikTok every single day, five times a day, and I need to do videos for that. That's good to know so that you can then just say, for that candidate. I usually do that when I get the application. I go and say, let me check this person out a little bit. That doesn't necessarily guarantee that they don't have whatever it is, I'm, but it might be just under a different name. But the idea is not to be, it's not a judgment call on that. It's just, you're just trying to make sure you're a good match. And that is is really important. And you really want to make sure that you're not getting a lot of surprises. The surprise things are super stressful and we're already very busy trying to make everything happen (laughs) just to run the program and get people connected to nature and have everything go smoothly and make sure payroll's in place and you have all your workers comp in place and you can handle all the health inspections and logistically everything's going well and our food vendors are bringing food and you're writing checks and you're getting back to parents and you're checking, like you have a lot on your plate every single day. That's not even counting the times when you're actually in the field with the students teaching a skill or hanging out, telling stories or making crafts. So the, the more you can streamline your hiring process and be pretty dogmatic about it and make sure that you're getting the right people, that will be really helpful. The times that I've had problems when I was first running my camp was that I just felt, oh no, I'm not going to have anyone. So I just have to take anybody. And I would go, hey, I'd rather have, you know, four people who aren't the right people than be by myself or with two people. And when I do that, when I did that, 
it was a nightmare in a lot of ways because it would just when you have the wrong people in on the wrong, on the team even if they're when i say that they're the wrong people they're not the wrong people in terms of there's nothing wrong with them but it's i don't know if i i follow basketball there are times where you people will go hey let's get three superstars put them on a basketball team and then they're going to win a championship but the problem is that just because they're good people and they're superstars in their own right doesn't mean they're the right people for that team. So that's what I'm trying to say is if you hire the wrong people, you absolutely have to, I don't want to say fire, but let those people go as quickly as you can. Because if they're the wrong person for that position, you got to let them go. You got to again get someone else. And the fear that I had when I was first hiring was that I just had to get anyone and squeeze them in and just hope that it worked out. And then it got, like, I, I remember hiring some people who were wilderness, like really great, very knowledgeable wilderness skills people for my summer camp for kids. And the problem was, is that I was hiring these people because they were my friends. They were really experienced. I was, I could learn a lot from them. All of that was true and good. The only problem that I didn't really think about was the fact that they were not necessarily good with kids. They were really knowledgeable, but they were also used to working independently. They were used to running their own show. Now, it's hard for them to run their own show if they're in my show. So <laughs> that's where the conflict would be, is that I would say, hey, let's teach them this. And then I would come back six hours later and they would have taught them that, some other thing. And sometimes that wasn't really what I wanted because I was trying to, it's like you're building a recipe, you're making chocolate chip cookies, and all of a sudden somebody comes in and goes, hey, I swapped out chocolate chips for carob chips. Hey, I threw in some cashews because nuts are good, right? Oh yeah, by the way, we didn't use any butter. We're just using uh, yak butter or something. Like whatever it is, they're swapping it out because they think it's cool. And all of a sudden now I'm like, okay, now the recipe that I have is definitely not chocolate chips on the other side. And I want and need chocolate chips. So you have to understand that if you're hiring those people, that was the lesson I had to learn was that can they follow my lead? Are they willing to work in my system? They were misunderstood. They thought, can I bring my system to you, Rick? And I'm going to help you out. They thought they were helping me out. And honestly, they were wonderful people. And sometimes it ended badly where they felt like, oh, I didn't value them. And I was feeling mad because I was like, hey, I've told you like five times, stop teaching them guerrilla warfare from Vietnam. Whatever it was, like they just, it was crazy. Luckily, we were summer camp and the, all the children that were in the program were like really cool and they understood what was going on. But I'm telling you, it is really important that you're not hiring friends. You're hiring for a position. You're trying to create a recipe to deliver a certain experience on the other side. At least that's what I'm trying to do and what I've tried to do during my, you know, X number of years here, making it happen. So you need the right things. You need the right ingredients. You need like on a staff, you need somebody fun, like two, maybe three people that are really like outgoing charismatic, can tell a joke, are okay. They're okay filling a little bit of space, especially if students are awkward or whatever. You also need people who are very good at details. It's people who are good with a clipboard, 
people who are someone who will just go through and go, all right, yep, I checked that the water system is chlorinated correctly. Hey, I checked to make sure the first aid kits are stocked. Hey, I'm going to go through and I'm going to make sure, and they're responsible and they're going to take care of business. You know, if they see that there's a trash can overflowing, they're going to change it or they're going to make sure somebody changes it. If the firewood's getting low or if there's firewood laying out and it's not covered by a tarp and it's starting to rain, they are going to take care of business. You also need people who are mature enough and nurturing where they can really connect to children or your students, whoever they are, staff, that they are the type of person that the students will come to if they're homesick, if they will come to those people if they have an injury, if they don't feel well, and or if there's a problem with other kids in the cabin or something. Hey, we somebody wet the bed, right? Like any of those things that happen in, a, in an overnight camp or even in a day camp, you just look at those things and say, okay, is this who on my team is that type of person? Because if you only have the outgoing gregarious people, that's great for certain parts of your program. But then if the students don't feel safe approaching them because they don't want to let them down and whatever, that's good. If somebody, if everybody is like super methodical and great with the clipboard, but nobody has a, that kind of fun let's play a bunch of game energy, then it, your camp can drag down. Like you just want to have enough of those, each of those characteristics. And it sometimes happens where that person is like all those things in one person. And you know what? That's awesome. If that happens, you great, you got a unicorn. Good for you. Good for you. And sometimes the unicorn will have some problem too, that you're like, oh shoot. Oh, hey, well, they weren't 100% perfect, but dang, they were still really good. The main thing is that you don't want your unicorn to get burned out. You don't want your you don't want to have one person doing everything and then have three people that are just sitting around. So you really have to make sure that this all balances out. I th I would say that's one of the biggest problems with the wilderness movement, wilderness education movement, is that oftentimes the people that are really good at these things are used to working alone or with one or one or two other people. And then when they're in a bigger group, they don't, they, many of them just don't feel like we're communicating to everyone about what's happening. They change things on a whim, don't consult with anyone else. And then what happens is that creates problems because then some of those younger staff or the less experienced staff don't feel included in the decision-making. So then they're like, are we a team? Yeah. You talk about the team, but are we really? I don't think so. And in today's world, like luckily, some of those people will call that out and say, let's work this out. But many times students will not, or younger staff who are like college student age, they will tend to go along with stuff and maybe feel like it's a problem, but they won't tell anybody. So usually I would find these out at the very end of the camp or either the last week when there's like a week left. And people go, eh, I thought I could just get through to the end without ever having to deal with it. And then it all comes out in the last week because that you get to the point where you just can't stand each other anymore and you like have to say something. And would have been nice if you'd said that on the second week so we could work through it and then get on the other side of that. So man, staff management's a whole other thing. So I'm going down the rabbit hole here. Sorry, this could go in a lot of directions. All right. Let me just dive into the getting hired part. What do you think about that? Let's do that. All right. So if you're someone who is a forest educator, you're like a level two or three or whatever, and you're like really good, or you're someone who's taken a bunch of wilderness classes and you've made your own arrowheads or you've made a, 
but you know how to make fire and you know how to do a bunch of stuff and you're just really excited. You slept in a debris shelter. You love going tracking. You like bird language skills and and you're crazy about mushrooms or whatever, all the good stuff, right? You're twisting milkweed right now as you're listening to this podcast. Like if you're one of those people and you're like, hey, I'm thinking about getting hired at a new program this year. One of the things that's really important for you is to make sure that you find the right environment and place that can really appreciate what you have and also is a place that you want to be in. For example, there are programs where they will go, oh, all of your skills you have are so awesome and you're really great and you play guitar and all these things. But then they take you and put you in a program with like adjudicated youth or a group home with students who are recovering from trauma and it's just not the right environment or group of students who can really appreciate your gifts. And it's like brutally hard work. And that may not be what you're looking for. So yeah, the pay might be a lot better, but the work is way harder. So you really want to think through, do I need a summer job to make a lot of money? You might be better off going to Nantucket and working in a restaurant and sleeping with seven other people in a two bedroom apartment and just socking away cash, selling clam fried clam dinners if you need to make money, you might be better off going to Long Island and being a nanny and like making 20 grand for the summer in the Hamptons. Do whatever you need to do. If you need to make money and then go and hang out in Costa Rica at a commune and learn wilderness stuff and eat mangoes, do that, okay? But don't necessarily say, hey, I want to do my wilderness thing and make money and then be miserable for two months. So that's my advice to you. Think about what you want to do. If you like being in small community-based type programs, summer programs for children, and you like doing that and you're okay, and you're okay with the fact that the pay is not going to be great, that's where you then would want to apply. And But be clear and know that, that the rate of pay is going to be probably less than what you would get in Nantucket or the Hamptons or painting, doing house painting with your friends <laughs> up on ladders and fighting off wasps and all that. And I don't know, like I know people that make a ton of money by just like going and roofing for the summer with a company. And yeah, you can make a ton of money if you want. So if money's your thing, go do that. But if you're going to choose to do the, if you're going to choose nature education, know that it's going to be different. You're going to get benefits in other ways. So think it through, think it through really carefully. There are advantages to being in a small program, say Hawk Circle, where there's going to be like eight, nine staff and 15 to 20 kids and a small private location where we have a lot of freedom and a lot of, it's a small team. It, it's, it is different if you go to a camp that has 100 or 200 students and you have a much bigger staff and all of a sudden now it's like a it's a much bigger business and that then you start getting into these sort of policies and you have, it's just going to be different and sometimes more stressful, maybe not. And then if you go into much bigger venues or if you're working for a university summer camp or whatever, yeah, you might just be, they may only have three staff and you're working with a different type of clientele. So really think through what is the, the experiences that you're looking for and what would be good for you in your career and where do you want to be? So that's really important. Research those organizations. When you see a job opening, you check it out. Check them out on social media. Look at their website. 
if the website hasn't been updated since 1972, before the internet, then you go, all right, these people are probably really busy and really stressed out and whatever. And hey, maybe you can be the hero, come in there and fix everything for them. But probably not. <laughs> so you may want to avoid, you want to try to avoid being in a situation in which you're going to be unhappy and then feel uh, sad. Everybody feels great the first week and maybe the second week at a program because you're in that honeymoon phase and you're just so happy to be there. And you're like, yay, I'm not in college anymore. I'm, I'm not in high school right now. Or I'm so glad to not be doing whatever I was doing, working at Starbucks or working at whatever. And you go there and you're like, oh, I'm outside. I'm with these kids. But then your third week, you're suddenly going to be like, oh my gosh, I can see all these things that are wrong with this program. And this doesn't match and this doesn't match. And they said they were vegan and had vegan options, but they don't really. Uh, I've been eating rice at every meal and that's it. And you just go, okay. At that point now, or maybe you have a philosophical difference with the directors or somebody else on the staff. And then having those like emotional disconnects are incredibly tiring. They take so much energy to deal with. So you want to make sure that you're going to be in a good position that will ideally carry through the entire summer. So that's the goal. And that should be your goal. When they're interviewing you, you're also interviewing them. So if they send you an email and it has an audio or video file that says, check this out, don't blow it off and go, yeah, I know what they are. Listen to the audio, listen to what they're saying, listen to what they're not saying. Okay. People say a lot with what they don't say in the video or the audio. People say, think about it. If housing's included, find out what does the housing look like? Where is it? What's the story? You want to make sure that you not you don't have surprises on your end. You don't want to go there and go, oh, I thought this was like an all organic living on a farm. I thought we were gathering all of our food from the wild. And then you get there and everything is like Cisco chicken nuggets and whatever. Like it, you just want to make sure that those things are going to line up and match for you. It's really good too to know, especially I'm saying this to a lot of the staff who might be listening to this who are younger sometimes, who also sometimes have very strong idealistic slash philosophical, I don't want to say beliefs because beliefs just sounds weird, but like you want to make sure that you are going to find the right match for you. So in other words, if you really want to be, if like making sure that you have a full on 100% political match, that your political values are going to reflect for everything in the program, then make sure that you know that. Make sure that if you go, hey, I'm okay. I don't eat dairy because I'm, you know, I'm vegan. And but they do serve dairy here at the camp. If that's going to be something that you're going to just turn your nose up every time mac and cheese and kids eating hot dogs, then probably you're better off not putting yourself in that situation where you're then going to feel, oh, I just don't like being around this and I don't like that. I'm not saying that being vegan is bad. I'm not saying I don't have a skin in the game on this. I'm just saying that you really want to make sure that you're in the right place. You don't want to go to a place that doesn't have those things and then just sit there and go, you guys aren't doing it right. You should be doing this and you guys should be this way and that way. That is not a fun position to be in. And especially if you're a counselor, you're not going to have the power to make that happen. 
And if you try to then have a revolution and get all the staff on your side, like, honestly, that is not going to be helpful for you or your career or for the program. The focus on that should not be how do we make the program match my political or my social, social structure beliefs. Your focus should be on what are we trying to do with these students and how can I help and how can I be part of that team? So you just want to make sure that if that's the reason you're there, try to stay focused on that and really be true to that. That's the best way that you're going to both have a really good summer and also build your resume. Like you want to have a good evaluation. You want to be able to use this position as for good references. So if you go there and make waves and tell them constantly every day how, what they're doing wrong, how they're not doing it right and what blah, 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 then it gets tiring. You don't like that if you have a roommate like that and they're just constantly telling you that you left the seat up or down. Like it's just not, and you have to be part of that team and, and be in that flow. So make sure that you try to find the right match for what you're running to do. And that will really, I, I'm telling you, it will really help you out a lot. If you have, like we had somebody that applied one year and said, hey, I really want to be here and I want to help out any way I can. They wanted to be part of our, one of our programs for a month at our place. And we had two school groups coming and we said, hey, we'll do a work trade with you. You can do the kitchen. Do you mind working in the kitchen? And you can help us and it'll work out great. You'll be able to take these programs for free and everything. And this person was really wonderful, super excited, wanted to be there so bad. Her boyfriend was in the program already. She really wanted to spend that month with him and also be doing all these fun things. So she said, sure, I want to do that and be in the kitchen. The kitchen manager came in, was like, all right, working with that. And then came over and talked to me and went, hey, we have a problem. And I was like, what's that? And I said, she said, we told her, hey, we're going to have grilled cheese sandwiches today for lunch. And the first thing that this woman said was, oh, I don't touch cheese. And she said, I'm vegan. I don't touch meat. I don't touch cheese. I don't touch dairy. I don't do anything with any of those. Now, if you're applying <laughs> to be the kitchen assistant in a program for a work trade or to be in that job that summer, that's a really important detail that you would want to say before you move all your stuff here, drive all the way, have us plan on having you there to help with everything. Because then at that point, now we just have this weird impasse of you've got to help because that's what you agreed to. Oh no, I didn't because I never said I would work with you. Like you then put yourself in that situation. So if that's a limit for you, that's really important. And this goes for same for other organizations. If you are an all vegetarian nature retreat center, you don't want to hire someone who's going to be like building a little fire in a hibachi on the front steps of their cabin and cooking bacon every day and having it drift through the valley and disturbing all your guests with the smell of bacon. I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm also just saying, these are things that I've seen happen. I have seen some people come in and go, oh, I expect all of my social and or diet, everything needs. I want to only be in this type of environment. And then they try to impose that on everyone. And I've seen the other way where they try to impose it on you when I'm, when I'm in a program leading something. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is how it is. So think it through on whether or not you think you are able to meet these needs or these conditions. Can you work alongside people who have very different views on everything? 
And is that okay with you? And can all get along? I don't know what the answers are to this, but I will say that the more attention you pay on some of these things, the better experience you will have and the better career impact this position will have. And you will be in in a much better position in the long run by by really dialing in. So sometimes I know that people who are trying to get hired sometimes just want to get hired. And so they think, oh, it'll all work out. And then it doesn't work out. So again, try to be really clear on what you're looking for and what are the parameters, the boundaries or your must haves. Okay. That would be really good to know. Let's see. I would say if you can, if you're checking out a program, see if you can find who are some of the past instructors or or leaders and just reach out to them and just go, hey, could I ask you what you like about working there? Or, hey, was there anything that like you don't have to you're not necessarily trying to dig for dirt. You're just trying to say, hey, is this a cool place to work and connect with them and see also Sometimes just by looking through social media, you're like, oh, yeah, this person, I would totally be friends with this person. So if that's the case and you have three or four staff who seem really great and you think you would get along with them, that's probably a good indicator that this place would be good for you, too. The other thing I'm going to mention, too, is when you're applying to work in a forest school, a wilderness camp, working for a wilderness survival program, working in a youth wilderness therapy program or whatever, you're, if you want to have the best outcomes for yourself and for the program, you have to support the program over you and your buddies and whatever the, whatever the situation is of the day. Like you have to be willing to toe that line and have your allegiance has to be more on that side of things than on say, oh, the kids all said they wanted to do this, or, oh, the staff and I thought we don't need to follow these rules because we believe that children should be able to go skinny dipping at midnight on a wild mountain river or whatever, because I thought that would be fun or we think it should be fine. You really want to make sure that you are clear that if you're going to work for someone else and they're hiring you to be in that position and fulfill those duties and do those things, and have those boundaries, you're not going to be doing yourself a favor if you just sign it away and say yes, and then later break that because you have a good chance of A, getting a bad review, B, also you could be fired or C, you could actually be facing like legal consequences if something goes wrong. So those are scenarios. And having been in the business for 35 years, I have seen those things in various ways. Some not so much as specifically with mine, but I will say that the other element that I would say is if you're also a professional, if you're coming in and you're being hired as a program director and things in the program that are not right, it's really important to speak up about that and take a stand professionally as a professional person Like I've seen wilderness programs where they just said, oh, hey, oh, kids, here's some toilet paper. Just go in the woods and dig a little hole and go to the bathroom. And these are kids that have never been in the woods. They've never gone to the bathroom in the woods at all. And they're freaking out. They're like, where do I wash my hands? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Use a water bottle. Like that things have not been fully thought out or that they're not legally allowed to run a program and they're trying to skate through it. 
or whatever. Don't put yourself in a position to work in an organization like that, where then you could be out of a job when they get shut down in the middle of July because some parent complained. Be really smart about it and make sure that you're not then associated with a program that is a little cavalier with the responsibility that it takes to work with students. So think it through and really look at that program and make sure that it's going to deliver. I, I know some wilderness programs struggle financially, and I have seen programs where people have hired staff and then just didn't have the money to pay everybody at the end of the summer because they had three extra big bills and something happened. And they just, oh, hey, we have to owe you money or, hey, we'll just teach you some martial arts classes in order to make up for that same value or whatever. I, we have actually had that problem where we were working and then in the middle of that, we went, hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to pay you for the, some of this stuff where you guys volunteered for things, but we're going to make sure they were like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll volunteer. And we were like, no, we're going to put it on the books and we're going to pay you off over the next year. And we insisted on doing that. The staff actually didn't feel like it was that big of a deal, but I know they really appreciate it. None of them sent back the money that we sent, which I'm glad about. So that has happened to us before. And we felt really bad about that. And we said, we're never going to have that happen again. We're going to make sure we are really good for that. When you are applying for jobs or whatever, just know that sometimes these things are can be sketchy. If you're a if you're a wilderness program and you're hiring staff, you've got to make your staff. You, you can't ask them to be loyal to you if you're not loyal to them. So, if you're someone that's in that position, do whatever you got to got to do to make sure you are going to meet that promise. If you're asking the staff to promise to be there, wake up in the morning, be ready to go, and teach those students and take care of your business. You can't turn around then and go, oh, by the way, we won't be able to pay you because that means that you need to figure it out. Make sure if you're going to promise that, that you fulfill that promise so that you are not then getting a reputation as someone who is going to shortchange you because that will rip ripple through the community. These are small communities. And if you think that's not going to have an impact, it will. And I've ha I've seen it on both ends. I've had young people come by and go, oh, we worked for program XYZ. And I'll be like, oh, wow. And I know that I know the person who runs it. And I'll be like, oh, hey, they must really be struggling right now. Hey, they probably hired you and then thought that these camp programs would fill and then they probably didn't fill. And I was like, yeah, I bet that happened. And then I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, it cost me like $5,000 to fill my propane tank because propane's really high right now. I wonder if he filled his propane tank in August and they didn't have the money. Like I just, I'm knowing my own experience. I'm like, I could see why somebody could be in a jam. And I'm like, oh yeah, that person I think got divorced and they might have alimony payments or something. So I was like, shoot. Yeah, that really sucks. But then I'd also have that other person call me, the, the person running the program call me later and they would say, oh man, I'm really in a jam, blah, blah, blah. And they would then complain. Yeah, I can't get any good people to, that will work for me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a reason. They didn't tell me that they didn't pay anyone. But when I put two and two together, I was able to then have a conversation with that person and say, yeah, you really got to fix that as right away if you can, because otherwise you're going to be, you're going to be the last place that people are going to go to check out and work with you. So these things are really key, right? These are important pieces that you want to have. I would say too, 
if you are, and this goes for both hiring and prospective uh, workers, make sure you understand what is the drug and alcohol policy of your program. For some people today, they don't think it's a big deal to take some gummies, of CBD gummies or something, right? Some people today maybe are like, hey, I'm going to work for the program. And then when I'm off, meaning I can then go and sit by a campfire and drink drink alcohol and be fine. Like there are some expectations like, oh, is is tobacco smoking fine? Is marijuana smoking fine? What are the expectations? If you don't ask ahead of time, you don't want surprises, right? For example, if, if housing is provided and you're there living on campus, you really want to make sure, hey, is the housing far enough away that if I smoke cigarettes or if I drink or if I whatever, is that something that's okay if it's on my own time and I know I don't have to work until 10 o'clock in the morning the next day? Is, am I able to then do what I need to do in my own time? If, and you want to know what that is and then respect whatever that policy is. If that policy isn't something you agree with, then go work at another place. Don't go there and go, I think I can hide it or something because that's stressful and you're going to get fired if you get caught doing that and you're going to be then letting down everybody else in your team and you're going to have a bad reference because you broke the rules and therefore, boom. So don't put yourself in that position. Don't put anyone else in that position. Really think it through. And if you think you might want to break those rules, talk about it ahead of time and say, is there any flexibility? What if this? What if that? Do something at least. And then if it's, and then if the answer still is no, then go, then find a place where that's okay. Because there probably is a place that's okay. So just so you know, it's really important for you to be in the right alignment. Every time we try to hide something, get away with something, squeeze something in, hope that it fits. If Hope is not a strategy. And when you're high, going into a new situation that you're going to be working in and having potential career impact, it's this is work to do this. And you got to go in with all your both eyes open. You got to really be paying attention. You got to really be thinking about this so that you don't create a situation for yourself that is um, going to be a problem, right? Like you just, you don't, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm probably making myself sound, maybe I'm just like repeating myself here. It's a little bit like dating, right? People go, oh, I have these standards. I don't want someone that's this. I don't want that. I want this. Then they go, they meet someone. They're like, oh, this person, they do this and this, things that are on my no list, but I just love them and I'm lonely and I really think it'll, I can make it work. We can change, I can change her. I can change him. Doesn't usually work out that well because we get into that fantasy world where we're like, oh, I just really want to work in Colorado or I really want to work at this place because it's by the ocean or whatever it is. So don't do that. Don't get caught up in the fantasy. Stay wide awake. Think it through. And this goes back and forth from for the employers. If you're an employer, you get someone and they're like, check, check, check. Look, I got a unicorn. This is incredible. It's not incredible. <laughs> they're not a unicorn. You may be in, you may have crossed over at some point in the last 20 minutes into fantasy land. You need to be very careful and you need to still do due diligence. You need to call references and make sure that you are, that you're not missing something because you suddenly have googly eyes. 
because you're like, oh my gosh, this guy sounds fantastic. He just, oh my God, I just want him in my program so bad. Yeah, that's a warning sign for me when I think of that with either any staff person. I go, okay, back off, <laughs> calm down, and just let's go through it. And I'll ask somebody else to say, hey, will you call this person's references and just check in? And then that's usually when somebody goes, oh yeah, I heard about this. And I'm like, oh shoot. Okay, yeah, maybe they're not a unicorn. Doesn't wasn't a deal breaker, but I'm just telling you, you want to make sure you're on either side of this equation that you don't abandon those principles that will have an impact for you. All right. I'm pretty sure this is like stressing everybody out. So this may be the, I've done the opposite of what I hoped it would do. But if I can save anybody on the program director, hiring employer side, or someone who's looking for a really good position and really wanting to contribute and learn and be part of a team of transformational kick and butt, fantastic forest education. If I can save either of you on either side of that aisle, a lot of any stress or grief or pain or struggle, please, like I, that is my only goal with telling you any of this and any of the stories I've mentioned, I've tried to change things. I, I, I please don't think that I'm not bad mouthing anyone in any of these situations. I have the most compassion for everyone because this is hard work. Everyone is doing their very best and it is really hard. We're basically pioneering and a new educational model that we are funding on our own dime. No one is giving us research money. No one is paying us to do this as a part of a study, really, at least not anybody I know. And most of the time we're coming at it and going, hey, I'm a really, I'm really interested in mushrooms or plants or nature or working with early children, childhood. And we're not necessarily experts at running our own business and marketing and communication and all that. And so we make a lot of mistakes. And so if you've made any of these mistakes, man, bless you. <laughs> I don't mean that in that Southern kind of condescending bless your heart thing, but man, I feel for you. Like you, you're doing, you did the best you could. Don't feel bad. Sometimes we just can't know because we just, there's just isn't enough time of the day and we're really trying. And it's for anybody that's out there who is a, on either side of this, when there are problems, I just want everyone to know it is really painful to be a program director and to have something not quite go the way you want it to go. And it for any reason, and if I can, I usually could I'll speak for myself. I could almost always trace it back to something I either did or didn't do that made that contributed to it. Not always. But many times there are traces and threads of things where I just went, oh my gosh, I just did not have time to do all that, or I missed this, or I missed that. And it is really painful to admit that to myself, and it's really painful to think that I might have hurt anyone that I really care about. And most program director people really that I know really care about the people that are part of their team that have helped make their organization successful and been part of their vision or mission. And they care a lot and they really would love nothing more than to make sure you're compensated as good as possible and to really maintain a, a something positive. Just know, and that's true for the staff too. Like I know sometimes I've seen staff that made mistakes and then felt really bad about them. And so I know that the, the this is a heart-centered type of work and we're doing the best by also trying to then fit it into a late stage capitalist 
model, which we're like squeezing five different models of how to live in this little microcosm of a nature program. Anyway, do the best you can. Let me know if any of this helps. I really am thankful for all the work you're doing and I hope you all have a really good spring, summer, fall, or anytime you're listening to this, I hope you get a really good job at a position that loves you and that you are able to do amazing work and that your organization gets and builds an incredible team and that you're fully funded and, and just changing lives and focusing on that as opposed to all this other stuff. So good luck, everyone. I'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.